All of the opinions expressed in this podcast are ours alone and are not intended to offend or disrespect any of the parties involved. We're just two people who know how to research stuff on Google and then talk about it. We don't have any legal education and therefore shouldn't be taken too seriously. So don't try to sue us. We couldn't afford to pay you anyway. Additionally, this podcast is about murder and will probably contain many other adult themes. So if that's not your thing, you're probably going to have a bad time. So listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Allegedly, hosted by the podcasters filled with more condensed air than a can of silly string, who don't seem to know how to stop talking before the two-hour time limit they set for themselves, but never thought they'd even approach. And yet, after two hours, we still couldn't agree on a verdict, or whether or not we could still be friends. I'm Mike. And I'm Heather. And this week, we're visiting the Cannibal Cafe and diving into the gruesome case of Germany's own amicable cannibal, Armin Maivez. So this is the part where I would tell you to grab your beverage of choice or something to snack on while you listen, but I heavily advise against that. Well, I mean, I <laughs> ate a salad while I was doing a lot of my research. So as long as there's like no protein, like I wouldn't suggest grabbing like a burger or a loin of pork or no, anything. No. Definitely nothing on a bone. <laughs> yeah, and I know we, so we open always with a disclaimer, but this one needs an additional one just because this case gets super gruesome and... We're not going to spare you of any of those details. We're going to... Well, and when, when Heather says we're not going to spare you any of those details, she means she's not going to spare you any of those no, details. I because as you may have noticed in the first couple of episodes, I usually try to give a pretty quick rundown of the crime. Heather is going to be diving into very, very specific things that are going on while I give you that well, quick rundown. That's the juicy part. I didn't mean it yeah. like... <laughs> That was that was there, a poor choice was no, of words. There was no pun intended on that. Mm. Okay, so anyway, we're talking about Armin Maivez or Maivez. Um, in we were discussing beforehand, his name is actually, I guess, Armin Maivez, but. We're just going to stick with Armin Maivez or Maivez. That's how I'm going to say it, at least. And we're actually discussing the victim here is Bernd Brandes. They're both German, and this case took place back in the early 2000s. So diving right into our victim here, his name is Bernd. I don't. Also, I also don't like that choice of words. <laughs> well, oh my god! That is <laughs> this is. <laughs> Oh, we're this gonna is going to be a thing. We're going to get so much blowback <laughs> for how much we're like laughing and joking around about this. But uh, I, I mean, it's it's a coping mechanism, right? I think for all of us that have this true crime obsession, you have to find the humor mm-hmm. in these things and in your conversations with other people who have the same fascination. Yeah. If you don't find the humor, it's too dark. I mean, especially this case, there's just... There's a lot. Yeah, this is this is a pretty a pretty nasty one. But yeah, maybe we won't even have a drinking word this game. It's just going to be how many times does It's going to be how many times do we uncomfortably laugh? <laughs> how many times do I make a not very tasteful joke about eating someone? Uh, okay, so back to burned or bur- I think it's burned. Burned Jurgen Jurgen Burned Jurgen Brandes. You name. sound like Rose from the Golden Girls right, right? now. You're just... <laughs> yeah. like He's not from St. Olaf, though. He's from Germany. Oh, okay. Again, unfortunately, there is hardly any information on this man, uh, which I feel like is a common theme here with homicides, is that the victim usually 
doesn't have a lot. More people are interested in the murderer. Um, right, so. but he was also kind of a, a reclusive guy, too. So, I mean, it really does play into the type yeah. of lifestyle that he led. Plus, this is, again, this case take pl- takes place in Germany. And I really think that the United States has, like, a, a big thing with almost making these murderers, like, celebrities almost. And what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, really just kind of elevating it. Like, serial killers are part of, like, pop culture, in our country, but another we're doing a true crime podcast, so maybe we shouldn't oh, yeah, take any type of holier than thou <laughs> attitude about serial killers being yeah, celebrities. It could have to do with the fact that when you're looking at foreign cases, they they don't show like transcripts as openly as we do and things like that. So there's just not a lot of access. Right. To well, I mean that's the that's the transparency, though. I mean we we are at least attempting to to have more transparency in our legal system. Right. Um, and I know that there's a big political debate that could happen there but we agreed ahead of time we're gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna stick away from getting yeah, into politics yep. this is this is fun this is something we're all interested in so we won't go into that but we do try to have some more of that transparency in our in our legal system right. and I say try because try, we we're try. trying it's not perfect so back to burned yeah, so he was born in Germany. Where? I'm actually not sure. It doesn't really say. I know that he was 43 at the time of his death. All I could really see about his childhood was that his mother committed suicide when he was only five years old. Uh, so he grew up with his father, and as an adult, he dated women and, in fact, was engaged to one briefly. Her name was Alexandra. She was a taxi driver. I was able to find a quote from her. She said that he was the nicest person that she'd ever met. And I believe that they remained friends up until he went missing, even though at the time of his death, he was dating a man, which actually was a sore subject for him as well. He wasn't accepted by his father after his coming out as gay. Although I believe that he was an open bisexual, but at the time of his death, he was seeing a man. Well, and this is, again, important to remember, like, the, the time frame, you know? Like, we're right. talking about this early 2000s. It wasn't... Late it was 90s, not the same climate, 2000s. the same culture. And we're talking about in Germany, you know, which I think right. traditionally is a little bit more conservative and rigid in those types of belief systems. Right. And, I mean, it, it could be anything, but just the fact that his father didn't support him for whatever reason. Right. You know, was hard on him. Um, however, Burns started getting into some kind of weird fetishes. Um, It doesn't really say when or where that started, but they did interview uh, his name. Well, I'm not sure if this is his real name, but they called him Jimmy. I saw an interview with him, and I do believe that he did take the stand at Armin's trial, basically saying that Burned was really into masochism. And And now, is that the current boyfriend? Is that who we're... No, Jimmy was actually... They didn't make it clear of whether this was someone that he had actually dated, had a relationship with, or he may have been a sex worker. But either way, in the interview, it sort of seemed that he had maybe seen him on multiple occasions. But I believe this was a sex worker because the people he had re- actual relationships with didn't know like about his fantasies at all. Okay. Basically, his fantasies were masochism. He really wanted uh, someone to bite his penis off. That was well, yeah, you don't land on a forum like Cannibal Cafe right? without having some very specific interests. Yes, and Jimmy says that he had asked him to bite various parts of his body, but that mainly he wanted him to take off his genitals. And in fact, he had even offered Jimmy 
10,000 Dutch mark, Deutsch mark, which aren't around anymore, but that's the equivalent of $6,000 US that I looked up. He offered the equivalent him a car. then or the equivalent now? Uh, I'm actually not sure. The Deutsche Mark isn't around now, so but either way, we're talking a couple thousand dollars. Right, uh, but I'm, yeah, because yeah, a but a six thousand dollars in two thousand one or two thousand ish, and six thousand dollars in twenty twenty. There's a difference there. I don't know. It's still a lot of money to me. Right. I mean, I'm not going to bite anyone's penis off for six thousand dollars, <laughs> but well, I mean, never say never. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did offer him a car, computer equipment. Like, he was pretty much begging this guy to, to please do this for me. Obviously, a lot of people that he saw thought it was was weird. And, and I mean... Well, I think we can is. say that it's objectively weird. But when you're talking about a fetish, anyone's fetish could be weird. Right. And, you know, that there's going to be obviously like a spectrum there of how weird that may be. Right. And there's always going to be other people that have that same fetish. And they're not going to think that that's weird at all. But I think we can say objectively, fetishes Is this what you of their own about? thing are weird. Is that your ultimate thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's, I, you figured it out. I was just making sure I was connecting the dots. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why you picked this case because this is so interesting to me. Yeah, so that's, um, that's really all there is on Burned. Other than, again, at the time of his death, he was a software engineer for a German electric company. Or not an electric company. It was a German electronics company. So like That computers. makes a lot more sense. And it was called... You're going to butcher this. I th- oh, no, that was I a terrible choice of words, too. I, I, <laughs> I think it's Siemens is the name. Siemens. Simons. It's S-I-E-M-E-N-S. I, it's think it's, it's, I think it's I think Siemens. it's Simons. Because don't we have that here in the States? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure Again, it's Simons it's computers, and you just so wanted I'm, an excuse to say Siemens no like idea. 10 times. I I don't know. We'll just say it was Simons then. But that's that's pretty much it. There is very, very little on this man. But there is a lot more on Armin. At the time that the crime happened, he was 42. But he was born in what was West Germany in December of 1961. He has described his childhood as actually like pretty good and normal up until the time he was eight when he was playing in the garden with one of his friends and all of a sudden he heard car doors slam and his father left, like just got up and left, never said goodbye. He said that he never even looked back in the car at him, like nothing. He just, I couldn't even imagine what that's like. like right, just... and it was, um, and when I saw this, so the dad leaves when he's eight years old and so obviously at eight years old, you don't have a lot of understanding of those types of mm-hmm. dynamics or why something like that would happen. As Armin got older, it didn't really specify how, but he kind of puts it together or figures out that basically his father left his mother for a younger woman and mm-hmm. so took off to be with this other younger I, woman. I also did read, though, and this is kind of like an unconfirmed sort of thing, so I'm not sure how true this is, but that his mother actually got pregnant on purpose to trap his father, which also... I think adds even more to it. Like if he was already trapped by having this kid, then sure he probably maybe didn't want to be in the marriage to begin with, but he did leave behind. So obviously the mother Armin, and then he did have half brothers as well, um, who he loved very much. And he had friends. He loved animals. He loved his brother. He loved his mother and father up until the time that his father left. And that hit him really hard, which was when, especially after his half brothers left, who are the ones who protected and cared for him so well, he started to, fantasize about having a younger brother and at first this was just a complete 
He wanted a younger brother so that way he could treat them the way that his older brothers had treated him. He wanted that relationship, and it was in no way, shape, or form sexual or anything like that at the beginning. But once he started hitting puberty, that imaginary brother, he started to fantasize about him being more submissive in a sexual type of way. Right. Not that it's tied to that particularly at all, but those early teen years, the years surrounding puberty is also when he realized or or recognized that he was bisexual for Armin. It was right around that same time. Right. He always said that he was attracted to the boys at school. But he he then, I guess, I've heard many accounts where he read the book. I think, I want to say it was Hansel and Gretel. Honestly, I'm not sure. No, yeah, it was Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and he watched the local butchers and things like that. And then all of a sudden got this fascination with butchering. Well, and he had, with Hansel and Gretel in particular... He would ask, you know, I think it was his mother who read it to him, maybe the older brothers at times, Mm -hmm. and he would ask specifically about the part where Hansel is fattened up to be eaten. Like, he really fixated on that particular part of that story. Right, yeah. It gets even weirder, actually, when his mother, well, when his father left his mother, his mother was also married three times, in fact, but when his father left, took all of the money, and then his mother became just despondent became a hermit and then started dressing i'm so sorry if you hear meowing that is my chonky kitty who wants to be a part of this so badly uh but anyway the mother became like a hermit and she started dressing in like medieval clothes and kind of decorated these rooms this way and made armin dress like that and basically serve her i don't know well and she also you know from multiple sources she was described as just becoming so bitter and yeah. really developing like a, a severe hatred for men. So yes, on top of like yeah. this despondency and then this weird dynamic she's then creating with her son, she also is just outwardly bitter towards mm-hmm. everyone and hates men and, and yeah, because speaks I, about it. I do believe that Armin's father was the third marriage, which is where his older half-brothers came from. And then once he left... Done. Like, done off of men, and then the other brothers moved out, and basically Armin felt like, I have to be here for my mom, and do whatever she says. And his friends from school, as adults, explained that she was very demanding. He could not upset her. He was very afraid of, you know, doing anything to cross her, and that kind of thing. So it's one of those relationships where he depended on her, but also felt like, she depended on him, and he needed to be Co-dependency. there. Codependency. Yeah, so there's a word for that. Oh, surprising. But that's the point in time in his life where he sort of melded together these cannibalistic fantasies with some sort of sexual fantasy. But also that loss of family with his father and his brothers left him feeling just utterly alone. So he started to get this thought that if he could eat someone then they would stay with him forever. Right, it was he, he referred he referred to it as uh, an eternal friend right. to people. That was that was mentioned a lot when mm-hmm. when people are discussing this case. Right. And as an adult, he actually had a period of peace in his life. If you can believe that the army was or the military rather was peaceful for him, he joined the army where he was actually really successful. He was promoted several times. He felt accepted by all of his uh, you know, like army mates and they all described him as being you know a good guy and all of the like home videos that i've seen as him i mean 
as a young man, he looked like a nice-looking, happy young man, really. And then he spent 12 years in the, in the German military. armed forces. He did. Yeah, he joined at about 20, mm-hmm. and then he was in his early 30s when he when he did finally leave. But he spent 12 and, years. Yeah, and he says in those 12 years that the fantasies left. Uh, some psychiatrists say that it's because he was too busy or he was occupied. I kind of personally think that it's probably because of the camaraderie and having those men there by his side. And really, when you, when they discuss people in the military, they describe them as brothers. Right, and this it really does, you know, it, with with the concept of that eternal friend and wanting to have this true friend, this true connection, and it'll never leave. Right. In the military, when you're living on a military base, you're spending 24 hours a day with these mm-hmm. people. So you have, the, you feel like you have that connection and that mm-hmm. relationship. You're not necessarily going to be looking for it right. elsewhere. And a lot of these people looked up to him, which also fulfilled the younger brother that he wanted. He wanted to be needed in, in that kind of way. So he had that for a long time until he left the military after his mother was in a car accident in 1996 and he went to go care for her and thus started that cycle again of being alone depending on her and um, one day he came home from work and she was dead of a heart attack yeah that was um, it was three years after that car accident three years. in 1999 she was 87 years old right. when, when he found her so but at that point he's had three years now to get back into these kinds of to get back into that headspace that he was in before, but then she just kind of pushed him down even further after coming off of this high of being in the military and then going back to just live with this mother that just kept him under her thumb and he didn't want to be a disappointment to her and he just had so much on his shoulders. He just sort of spiraled after that. So he had this big house to himself and he started exploring basically his interests on the internet yeah and so we're talking about um right around the turn of the millennium Mm -hmm. and so this is really the first time though that he personally experiences death and has to deal with death and someone's close to him dying he lost these connections with his father and his brothers when they left mm-hmm. and but he didn't really have to face death until that point right. and or so now the military yeah right and so now we've got you know this is right around the time that Google is starting to pick up steam like you have mm-hmm. all this access at your fingertips you know we didn't have the phones in our pockets no. back then but you could sit down at a computer and really access yeah, and just like about s- anything forums like discussion forums were right. like really huge and so he's googling you know he's googling things about death and all of these yeah. other just these morbid things because he's trying to he's trying to process right. this new thing for him and yeah, now so he can do he, all that without his mother watching Right, but, and now he stumbles across this uh, now infamous forum. Yes, it's called the Cannibal Cafe, where he met several men on there, actually, and mostly just discussions like in a forum about how they wanted to be eaten or prepared to be eaten and all kinds of crazy, weird stuff. And so they um, they have this page archived, and we, yes. we looked at it together. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit yeah, before I don't think we started it's actually recording. Up. You can look at it on the Wayback Machine, or I don't know where you went to I find think it, mine was like web.archive.org or something yeah. is the access it's point that I found. It's not an active site anymore. Right, but you can find you can yeah. find this archived version, and it really did look like... I mean, it was exactly what those forums looked like in right. the early 2000s. And so, it, you know, the Cannibal Cafe, and then they had kind of a disclaimer on there saying that it was fantasies involving consenting adults, right. saying that you couldn't involve even the thought of anyone under legal age being involved in your fantasy 
that if you were underage, you shouldn't be accessing the site. You know, we didn't have the same type of control and blockers and and the dark web and all those types of things at that mm-hmm. time. So this was just out there. I mean, he stumbled yeah. across it Googling death. Yeah, and there were uh, a lot of people on it from different places because I believe the Cannibal Cafe is an American website. When, He's uh, German, but then you'll see later that he also was speaking to an Australian. Yeah, I just think this was like a... And I was looking and it was... There was a lot of stuff about California, so I think that that was probably mm. where it was kind of based out of. And I just want to talk real quick because I, I pointed it out to you when we were looking at the site. Those Those tabs across the top of that website, I mean, it talks about available livestock mm-hmm. was one of the hyperlinks the livestock application was accessed through a hyperlink at the top of the page and then something about cattle training and so that's how they refer to the victims i guess. i mean i really don't know how else to term that but so i actually kind of i clicked through some of those tabs and i was worried about what i was going to find i luckily i was looking on my phone so i just didn't mm-hmm. zoom in to see any of the pictures or things like that but when you click on available livestock, they talk about these... It was mostly women, but not, not exclusively, that were available for purchase or lease. There was no limitation on how to use the livestock. But if they were terminated during a lease period, you would be charged the full purchase price. And now remember, they put a disclaimer on their page that this is all about fantasies. Mm-hmm. But you're... You're speaking like this is I I mean, I pulled this directly off. I jotted down this stuff from the page. The livestock application gives you the option to indicate whether you're voluntarily submitting yourself or if you are involuntarily submitting someone else. You would mention the type of training that this person has. And on the application, some of the training that's listed is torture, slave extreme slavery, self-mutilation, complete dehumanization. I mean, and this is all, it was formatted like like a job application or a rental application. I mean, it was just... Or like when they sell livestock at a, at a county yeah, fair. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was just, it's so, it was so disturbing to look right. at. And so, it's so graphic and treated so nonchalantly. And then they just, they talk about some of the other things, like things that you're, I guess, willing to do or, or things that you could be trained on with this cattle training tab. And that could be religious sacrifice, dismemberment, beheading, impalement. A lot of people would like, a lot of people on the site would take pictures of like, uh, I don't want to say like their version of special effects, I guess, as well, and kind of upload them. I believe that Armin participated in that as well. Like, taking realistic photos. Well, I very specifically tried not to see pictures. You know, like, you knowing me as a person, I'm very sensitive to sexually based crimes and things like that. And this, Mm -hmm. I mean, this just, I I couldn't even take the chance that some of the stuff I could see if I could see these pictures clearly. Yeah, I didn't actually look at anything on the Cannibal Cafe. Well, I... We'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> but going back to Armin, he was on this site that you described, and he met a few people, and he actually had gone out with a few of them, and he even went out with one man where the man requested that he label his parts as, like, you know those charts of cows? Like the butchering Like when you go into charts? a butcher shop or in, yes, like, a, a barbecue you, like, joint, we'll have those sometimes, yeah. Right. That's how he wanted to be labeled. And Armin did this with a needle. 
like with a, a like a I don't know like a sticky note or a post-it or whatever and like wrote these parts and put the needle into him and whatever and that's as far as the other guy wanted to go so Armin left it at that and that's the thing about this is that Armin would go out with these men or discuss things with these men on this site but he only ever went as far as the other man wanted him to go and so he posted that he was looking for a male between 18 and 30 years old to be and I quote, slaughtered, then consumed, which brings us into March 9th of 2001, after our victim, uh, Bern Brandis, responded to that ad. Right, and just real quick before we jump into the events of March 9th of 2001, when he first, when Armin first found the forum, so he really did believe that it was fiction at first. So he's spending right. time he just... He posted that as a joke. Until right. it became a little more serious and people but he, were responding. So he's, you know, he's thinking that it's fiction. He was logging in and reading these ads, and he actually logged in using his correct information where it, where it could have been tracked. You know, back then, it would have been a lot easier to kind of fool the system and lie about some of those types of things, and he mm-hmm. used his own information. Then he started creating the actual ads and putting these things out there, and he, the username that he used... Is Frankie. Was Frankie, which was the name that he had given to that imaginary oh, really? younger brother. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So that ties in there, oh, too. I mean, full it really. Circle there. Absolutely. Um, that makes things just a, a tiny bit more gross for me, actually. <laughs> understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's already super gross, but that just added a little element that I didn't know. Yeah. So so he was using this, this name from the imaginary younger brother where, I mean, honestly, a lot, a lot of this started. Right? So right. really did come full circle there. So on March 9th, 2001, Burned took a train and Armin picked him up from the station. Uh, Burned had only booked a one-way ticket. Mm-hmm. He paid for that ticket in cash mm-hmm. so that nothing could be traced. He took time off from work so his colleagues would not be looking for him. No one would find it suspicious that he was missing for a few days. And he deleted all of the private data from his computer before he left. Right. He didn't want them finding any of these interactions on this forum either. And Um, this is from... So he took a train. This is from Berlin, Germany to Rottenburg, Germany. Just so you know where we're at. Yeah. And and again, just the one-way ticket. So no plan to return. So once they're in the car, Bernd immediately wants to perform oral sex on Armin mm-hmm. while they're in the car. And obviously all of this is coming from Armin's version of events through statements right. and things later. But they immediately wanted to perform oral sex. Armin refused. Uh, but once they arrived at the house, Burned uh, went directly to the living room and and completely undressed. And Armin was actually a little taken aback, was a little uncomfortable. And again, all according to his statements. Armin did also at one point make a point to say that although he looked similar to like pictures he had seen and based on the descriptions that he had been given from Burned himself, that he did look similar to that and he was an attractive man. He said he had a sporty build. Right. But he went specifically to point out that Burned lied to him about his age, like made himself a few years younger. Yes, because he was looking for someone 18 to 30 and he was 43. Right. So, I, physically, I guess, he really couldn't tell. You know, it wasn't a huge difference for him. He, Yeah, I mean, you can see in the face, but I, I mean, I don't want to comment um, on but he, But so he specifically points that out, though, in some statements. 
So he had already prepared a room Mm -hmm. for what they had been discussing. So he showed, Armin shows Burned to that room, and then they did, um, then they had sex. Right. Uh, But but even so, when he, like, took off his... I remember seeing Armin in this interview when he describes when Brand or Burned Brandis. We'll just call him Brandis because I cannot get this first name right. When Brandis takes off his clothes, the window is open, and he takes off his clothes and makes the comment, I want you to admire your dinner. Yeah, there's a lot of... (laughs) um... And I just... I mean... I don't know what kind of mindset you have to be in. That's just like, I don't know. I mean, it's a little comical, but and ironic. I don't know. It's it's very presentational and theatrical at the least. You know, it's just like, it almost seems scripted. And again, this is based on statements from Armin. So maybe that's why it seems scripted. Now, once they, um, once they had met and then they had sex after seeing this room... Brandis did start to worry that Armin wouldn't actually be able to really harm him the way that he wanted to be harmed. Yeah, he said that he was like, that he looked weak or something. That he, right, that he, he, he wanted in some to be way, overpowered. He, right, and I think, I think part of it is, you know, for Armin to immediately be uncomfortable because Brandis undresses as soon as they get there. Mm-hmm. For Armin to refuse oral sex in the car and and still maybe be a little hesitant when they do actually have sex. Mm -hmm. He's seeing all of this hesitance, too. Well, and Armin says that Brandis didn't actually enjoy having sex. He just kind of wanted to get to it and, like... Like, the sex wasn't the enjoyable part. The sex for Brandis was the foreplay. Because that's not what he was looking for. Yes, he... Like, the pain was what he wanted. And what he... You know, as you mentioned earlier, he very specifically wanted to be bitten... Strong. I mean, he strongly he bitten. He wanted his, it to be hard. He wanted it to hurt. He wanted his penis to be bitten off. And he didn't think that Armin had the jaw power, I guess. Right. And, well, and, There's a really no better way to say this <laughs> other than he didn't think he was strong enough to bite his genitals off. That's I guess to, to test that theory out, Brandis asked Armin to bite him while they were having sex. Mm. And he wasn't satisfied. I mean, this is this is verbatim Ugh. from the research that I did. He wasn't satisfied with the bite. Obviously, you know, that's if that's your huge focus, then that's going to be a little concerning. Brandis also fantasized very specifically about his flesh being ripped off of his Ugh. bones mm-hmm. while he was alive. And he wanted to see Armin eating his flesh while he was alive and conscious he didn't he wanted to witness all of these things that were happening it was very it was very important to him not just that these things happened but that he was aware of them happening and felt all of these things happening i mean realistically for both of these men sex is second fiddle right the cannibalism was number one Right. One of them truly wanted to be eaten and experience that, and the other one wanted to eat someone. And the sex just seemed almost like a, like a. It was a means like to a an end. Away. Yeah. Like, I mean. So you know, Armin in, in his statements says that at one point one of them suggested that Armin could use a knife instead, mm-hmm. since I guess they came to a consensus he was not going to be able well, to so bite. After he told him that he didn't think he was strong enough, they actually left the house. And he took him back to the station. Well, actually, so not quite yet. 
So they have this conversation about the knife first because what happened is they suggest using the knife, but Armin wants Brandis to be sleeping when he does that, when he actually mutilates him. Right. Um, so they had Brandis take a large amount of um, alcoholic cough syrup to try to mm-hmm. get him kind of unconscious. I don't know why he would agree to that because that was kind of exactly the opposite of what his desire was, but uh, agreed, but it didn't work. Um, so then at that point, Brandis just kind of lost faith in the whole thing, just didn't yeah, think that he was going to get what he was going to, yeah. yeah, what he was looking for. So then he asked for Armin to take him back to the train, but they agreed before they left that if Brandis fell asleep in the car, then Armin would turn around right. and continue with the plan. Which didn't happen. Right. So at the station, they did buy a return ticket for Brandis because he stayed conscious, awake the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, They bought a return ticket for him, but then Brandis thought that it would be difficult for him to explain where he went and why he came back when he was saying he was going to be gone for this. Right to this for this length of time. It's just so odd to me this dynamic that I mean you're you're talking about these things that you want done. You're putting yourself in this type of situation, and what you're concerned about is a difficult conversation with. Your boyfriend back at home, but... Plus, the boyfriend said that he told him that he was going on a, a work trip. So, you've told your boyfriend you're going on this work trip. So, I don't know which part of this story is distorted or not. Right. But either way, it's more difficult for you to go home and explain that your work trip was cut short than for you to have your penis taken right. off. Right. Um, so, worried about having an uncomfortable conversation, he decides he'd rather be castrated. So, he suggests that they go and get more cough syrup. And they get some sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. So um, so Armin goes to a pharmacy nearby to the train station. Obviously, the pharmacist, doing his job, warned Armin not to mix the cough syrup and the sleeping pills. So Armin concocts this story about having a sick girlfriend at home that has a cold. And because of the cold and her symptoms, he hasn't been able to sleep. Mm. So he's trying to say, okay, well, the cough syrup is for her and the sleeping pills are for me. Don't worry about it. We're not mixing anything. <laughs> so that's, they, you know, that's what I think whenever I have patients come into the pharmacy. Right. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so, um, so they drive back, and so you know, obviously, once they're in the car, Brandis takes the cough syrup, takes the sleeping pills. They drive back, and Brandis, according to Armin, was, and this is, it's so weird to phrase it this way, but he says that Brandis was euphoric and hopeful and not delusional at all like that it's so clear what your intent mm-hmm. is and why you're saying that you know for that to although be part it's of your important statement later. to note and this isn't something that we can ever be clear of so on the way home it was discussed and from this point forward the activities at armin's home are now being videotaped right yeah we're gonna yeah we're gonna yes. get to the videotaping very soon Um, So they arrive back at the house at about 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Shortly after 6 in the evening, Brandis became agitated and urged Armin to just get started. He wasn't sleepy, but he just wanted Armin to start. He wanted this to happen. And so that was when they set up a camera and recorded. So right around 6 p.m. when all of the, the events really start. So Armin attempted to cut off... Brandis's penis, as he stood leaning against a table, 
and it did not work with the first knife that they grabbed. I just don't know how after you experience that first pain, how you go, yeah, let's do that again. Well, this, this is what he, I mean, he wanted that pain, you know, and there's no way that this is the first time that you're experimenting with this, that you're to that you're at this place already. So you, there must have been a buildup. You know, and like we said, we can't find a ton about him. He's kind of a reclusive guy. But there had to have been some buildup. There had to have been experimenting right. to know specifically that that's what you were looking for. So, I mean, he knew what he wanted. Armin claims that he did not enjoy doing this. He didn't want to harm Brandis. But Brandis, you know, like we've said, really wanted the pain. And he continued... To um, to urge Armin to mutilate him to remove his penis, so they grabbed a second knife, a much sharper second knife, and then apparently. they were able to successfully to accomplish his, yes the goal. However, Brandis was not satisfied. No, still because not. the pain was too fleeting. For he him. said he thought it would have lasted longer, and even Armin comments in like a documentary that he thought that he goes he didn't he only screamed for a little bit he goes 20 to 30 seconds and then he was done right so even Armin commented on the fact that you know the pain didn't last long for right him. and I mean, Brandis really wanted this to be an intense pain mm-hmm. and he really wanted this pain to linger he wanted this to be you know to have this long-term effect and it just didn't Mm-mm. so then Brandis begins to try to take a little bit more control to kind of direct Armin with what it is that he wants to be going on. So he has Armin cut the penis in half and Brandis attempted to eat his own flesh raw. Hmm. Yes. And it didn't work because of the texture. Too chewy. Right. So... As any of us would, Brandis was... I thought you were going to say as most of us know. I'm like, well... Brandis got got very upset that his half of his penis was too chewy to eat raw. Right. Who wouldn't get upset? I mean, listen. And you can tell I'm starting to really... If it doesn't come on the side, I send it back. (laughs) I'm starting to really get uncomfortable, so I'm going to try making a little bit more light of this. I mean, this is... It's just... It's it's heavy stuff, but so he he got upset. So then Armin suggested that they fry it in a pan. Right, and, and Armin, Brandis a self-admittedly agreed. bad cook. Right, and so he admits he's a bad cook. And what a surprise! He burned Brandis's penis when he attempted to cook it. I you are stifling <laughs> such intense hysterical laughter. Because you're making direct eye contact with me when you're telling me. You're <laughs> you're so flustered talking about this I, yeah. man frying this penis and the look on your face is panicked. You don't, you don't understand <laughs> the type of discomfort <laughs> that I'm sitting in right now talking about this and I'm trying to hold on to some type of composure and whatever minimal professionalism still exists in this this experiment we're doing i mean i'm my face is hot to the touch i'm sure it's like super red i'm sure i'm very flush it's i'm just i'm very i'm very uncomfortable and just just even trying to imagine 
that kind of pain, let alone trying to get into the mind of someone who right. would enjoy it. Oh yeah. I I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Well, and very quickly the pain did subside, but still in the meantime, while Armin is downstairs, you know, like flipping his penis and his frying pan, Brandis is still sitting upstairs literally spurting blood. Right. Right. And I mean, um so after Armin seasons. managed to Make the penis more... Like, I can't believe I'm saying these words out loud into a microphone and people are going to be listening to this. Um, After he made the penis more inedible by frying it, um, Brandis just decided, okay, well, why don't I... um, Why don't I just go and try to get some sleep? So... Oh, don't forget another fun fact that the inedible penis was actually eaten by Armin's dog. Right. He fed yeah. it to him as a little snack. Yeah. I'm sure quite the delicacy. So they do they do some type of bandaging. I mean, neither one of these people are medical professionals. Right. So there's something to try mm-hmm. to contain, I guess, the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at this point, Brandis does mention that he's like free of pain. Probably, I would imagine, the shock. Well, yeah. you're. I mean, you've gone into shock at this yeah, point. Yeah. Absolutely. He I mean, he went into shock halfway through. That's why the pain was so free. Right. So they decide that Brandis is going to try to get some sleep. Armin will continue to check on him. So Brandis, sometime shortly thereafter, is cold mm-hmm. and decides that he wants Armin to draw him a bath. Right. So Armin carries him. Yeah, hot bath. To the hot bath. Brandis removes the bandage and then gets into the tub. Mm. And it's noted that. Brandis enjoyed watching himself bleed. Yes, Armin's in, exact words were that he was happy that he was laying in his own blood. Um, yeah. Um, so at sometime at this point, around the time of the bath, though, is actually the first time that Brandis shares his real name with Armin. So up until this point, mm-hmm. they're like back and forth with their their screen names, their usernames that they they right. had used on Cannibal Cafe. Um, so this is when he actually shares his real name, and then so this is odd. So it's a few hours later, right? That then Brandis is yelling for Armin, right? And, and in Armin, this, Armin is like in another room, right? And Armin finds Brandis on the floor. In the bathroom because Brandis had attempted to get out of the tub tub on his own and passed out due to the blood loss. Right. And so he's unconscious on the bathroom floor. And then he's in and out of consciousness basically, you know, for the remainder of that night or for most of that night. Right. And so as he's coming in and out of consciousness, at some point, Brandis jokes about the two of them eating his testicles for breakfast. If he survived yeah, the night? Yeah, he says... Yeah, if I wake up in the morning... Right. You and I will celebrate by eating me. Right. But even though he's bleeding to death. eating just, someone's testicles always says partay to me. It's just all very, I don't know, weird. All of this is happening, but at the same time that someone is dying in his bathtub, Armin is off in another room reading a Star Trek novel. Right, and... But honestly, and again, you know, obviously all of the... Or a lot of the information that we have. Because they weren't, like, carrying the camera around for absolutely everything that's happening either. Um, So a lot of what we have is based on statements from Armin later. Right. And But he says that's what he was doing. But you almost wouldn't believe... Well, I'm not about the the novel. I'm, like, just these interactions and all of these events. Right. You almost wouldn't believe them Mm -hmm. 
if you didn't have those forum conversations, I mean, you know, the police oh, right, were able yeah. to obtain those, and there's well, and then also, there's proof that they had these conversations before. Well, they all met. of the acts themselves, right? And all of, right, the very the specific the specific acts of the mutilation and candles yeah, and things those were recorded. Yes, and there's so there's video documentation of those, but you know, just to hear this narrative and this timeline, it's. Bizarre. I mean, it is. It's unbelievable. Even though we know, you know, there's enough to show that right. they had discussed these things. It's just Brandis makes clear to Armin that he is not to call an ambulance under any circumstances because he was afraid that he would be committed to a psychiatric wing. Mm-hmm. So it's again, it'll be harder for me to have this conversation with a therapist at some point right. than if we just keep going with what we're doing. Right. So then, in the middle of the night. Brandis had to pee. Oh. So, um, oh, okay. <laughs> so Armin tells him, well, just go, just go ahead and, and pee in the bed. There's already so much blood everywhere. You know, everything's already such a mess. Just go ahead. Brandis refused because that's where he draws the line. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, absolutely not. Do you know how hard it is to get urine out of sheets? I. The blood out of the sheets. I mean, but I think we're really, I I, I have to, I guess, agree with Armin here. We're really past worrying about anything being in the sheets at this point. But Brandis refuses to to go in the bed. Maybe it was like a dignity thing. I cannot think think of an appropriate response to that that I'm willing to record. So (laughs) I just, I, I... yeah, that that right there, that's his line in the sand. That's his red line. He's not. Yes, that, no, absolutely not. That's so not refuses. part of the fantasy. Right, right. He wants he wants pain, not humiliation. I mean, right. really, that's probably yes. the distinction for him. So, um, so he refuses, stands up to have Armin uh, help him to the restroom, and immediately collapses. Mm-hmm. You know, because still losing blood. Yeah. And you've taken all of this cough syrup and these sleeping pills, so your blood's thinning out because He's of these medications. Dying for hours. Right. Yeah. So um Armin at this point is certain that Brandis is dead. Mm-hmm. So he picks up his body, moves him to the room that he had prepared and places him on the table, sets up the camera again. Mm-hmm. He says it was important to him that he was certain that Brandis was dead because he wouldn't have been able to do it if Ben was still alive. Or if Burned was still alive. Mm-hmm. So so he sets up the camera. It's recording again. Essentially, he claims that he's having this big internal conflict. And he doesn't know whether he should pray to God or the devil. And so again, we're getting into these very theatrical, seemingly scripted statements that he's making. Right. You know? Then he says he decided uh, that he was going to ask God for forgiveness. And then he began... To slaughter Brandis. So he goes through with this based on a slaughter manual that he had studied ahead of time. I wonder if maybe we have two different accounts. Because in the interview, in I probably saw three interviews with Armin where he basically says that he goes up to him and he can see that he's alive. And that's why he's having that struggle. He needed him to be dead, but he just wasn't. And at that point, he wasn't dying and basically wanted to put him out of his misery and that's why he cut his throat that was i mean so much of this stuff though is based on just statements and you know i mean they have it recorded that he does eventually sever brandis's head 
I mean, he beheads yeah, him. Yeah, he... But he was, like, hesitant. He went to do it. He, he kissed him, put his head down again, was kind of milling his options back and forth, and then finally... So as, he, so as he's going through with this, as he's going through with the slaughter, Armin says that he also... At this point, you know, he knew that Brandis was dissatisfied with the way that everything had gone. Um, and Armin says that he was also dissatisfied because it wasn't, or there was no romance. And that was <laughs> what he was looking for. I, think I don't both know of them how. I realized ro- that neither of their desires could possibly be satisfied. Right. But I don't know how your desire is romance when you've talked through this. You knew exactly what you were getting into. I don't know where you thought romance was going to play into these types of things. So to be dissatisfied that there was no romance, I mean, you developed the plan together. We're talking about people with obviously very twisted Um, minds. So uh, Armin claims that he went through this whole range of emotions during this period, you know, happiness, anger, hatred, sadness. The happiness he claims was specifically for Brandis because I guess at, at this point, Armin thought Brandis ultimately got what he wanted mm-hmm. and you know he he basically argues that he did this for brandis once he severed brandis's head he actually puts it on the table and turns it to face the camera right which so is, that brandis yeah. can witness remember brandis so, had yeah, said brandis actually wanted to asked that he could he wanted to watch his his penis be severed he wanted to watch armin eat him dismember him and so kind of symbolically, I mean, because, right. you know, the severed head he had, he turned it toward the camera so that he could witness it that way. And he talked to Brandis throughout the whole thing because he right. believed that his spirit was still there. And so he was yeah. talking to him there. And I I mean, that essentially is the night of right. this incident. Yeah, he had the slaughter room set up and he had... I would strongly advise against this. But there are leaked photos. Of yeah, I have this not looked at any video. of this. I have viewed them. They are. I mean, it really just. It really just all depends on the things you've seen, I guess. I mean, obviously, they are incredibly graphic. So just just be aware that when you're searching for this case, that if you see any links with photos, that that's what you're getting yourself into. So just be warned. Because they're they're not fun. They're not fun to look well, at. Well, I think at, at this point, if after hearing all of this, yes. you're gonna go look at the pictures, then you're you know what you're what you're yes. getting into. You know what you're gonna be looking at. Yes. So but because, exercise some caution in making that decision. Yeah. So basically after he cuts his throat, Armin goes ahead with his part of the the deal, which is to slaughter him, which he does. He hangs him up on a meat hook. And goes from there, he removes his organs, he cuts them in half right down the middle, which is what's in the photographs. So, like I said, be warned, that's what you're going to see if you click on them. And then he butchers him. And afterwards, he goes ahead and stores all of Brandis's body parts that he's, uh, I guess, what he, butchered and cleaned in a freezer. This freezer has a false bottom, so that's where he kept all of his body parts. And then on top of it, he put his normal you know, meats and frozen pizzas and things like that. And I, I love that that's what you imagine is in the. <laughs> I mean, what his else normal do you meats and frozen pizzas. <laughs> I mean, I. Um, yeah. So he. Um, What's weird is that he he did not have his first okay penis aside. He did not have his first meal until March twelfth, 
Which I just found a little odd because, well, let's say he died on March 10th because he met him March 9th. Right, and this is all happening. Yeah, so it's happening in the middle of the night, so we're probably talking about... Yeah. I mean, we're probably right around midnight is when this is happening. Right. So... So even after he's butchered, he still waits over 48 hours to have his first meal, which is a scene straight from, like, Silence of the Lambs. He decorated his table. Yeah. He lit candles. He used his fine china. Yeah. He cut up princess potatoes. And he poured himself a glass of wine and ate, like, a, a piece of Brandis. And I, I just want to, just in case you're not getting the difference in our two personalities listening to this, the only note I took, because I couldn't handle getting into those types of specifics, I did put that he prepared Brandis's flesh and, de- and uh, decadent meals, and that he did light candles and use his finest china. I did not list the side dish. I didn't list but the wine he, he was drinking. I'm setting the scene. I, but those that attention to detail concerns me just a bit for you. <laughs> Listen, I like to know what side dishes come with my main course. I'm just saying. Those are what matter most to me. Really, I need. I mean, I need to know what kind of potato. I don't is. think that his focus was on the princess potatoes, though. He wasn't I fantasizing know. about roasted princess potatoes since he was. It was a clearly pre-teen. important because he talked about it in his interview. <sighs> but he did describe his first bite. He said it was strange because it was something that he fantasized about his whole life, and now he finally is eating human flesh. And he said it was just weird, indescribable, and he said it tasted like pork. He said it was a little stronger than pork, but the average person wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Right, yeah, he said um, tasted similar to pork, but a bit more intense, I think was the word that he used. Right. Yeah, but he did specifically note, well, but anybody else wouldn't have been able to tell. And then when he says that, he then immediately has to follow that up and say, but I didn't feed this to anybody else. Right. When I had these meals, it was just me. I didn't do this. Which I think is is true. Sure. I don't. I don't see any interviews of people being like, "Oh yeah, we had dinner at his house," and I don't know. But well, I mean, also you fantasize your whole life about that, and now you have. And You're I probably hate, not going to. I share hate it using this kind of these kinds of terms, but you have like a a limited stock. You only have exactly. so much of this. So yeah, you're not going to you're going to be like a 5-year-old yeah. with your blocks. But he also wasn't that kind of, You're like I'm not sharing. I wasn't going to say like he's not that kind of crazy, but his kind of crazy was different. He didn't want to inflict this on like these unsuspecting people either. This was very much just for him. Right, I think yeah, he not- he acknowledged that you know, and I don't like using the term deviant because it has like this negative connotation but i mean he acknowledged that this was kind of a, a deviance that this wasn't for everyone well, he, he wasn't going to force it to anyone else they both that this was considered odd right i mean at the very least odd but and this is <laughs> i mean everything has been gross up to this point but this is truly gross so in a 9 to 10 month span armin maiwas consumed 20 kilograms which is 44 pounds for us Americans of Brandis's flesh. 44 pounds he ate of another human being. And I know this is this is one of the times I wish that we were videoing while we were recording because you're staring directly at me and I am doing everything I can not to make <laughs> eye contact with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty big. 
Um, so anyway, after about a year, not, not even a full year, I don't think, he started looking for a new victim to eat. And he posted online again, and he also posted his photos, which is where those photos that you can find online are. Um, he did post them to the Cannibal Cafe, but I think a lot of people just thought that they were fake because a lot of people posted fake pictures like that. So I don't think it was like cause for alarm. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they were looking for anyway when you're on that kind of website. But somebody had responded to his ad, and this was a student from Australia. Yeah, a medical student. Right, and he asked him if he'd killed anyone before. And Armin's reply to the student was, let's just say I have experience and you wouldn't be the first, which frightened the student. So the student reported it to the police. Well, I love when he says, let's just say, like he's being subtle yeah. or sly. Yeah, like, You say, let's just say, but yeah, yeah, I've definitely yeah. killed a guy before. Yeah, like, let's just say you wouldn't be the first. Wink. Right. <laughs> but do you want to be the second? But, yeah, so the student reported it. The police were called, and the police weren't going there thinking that they were going to be arresting someone or finding right. anything. They just went to go inspect it, like, oh, this is just a call. This guy's weird, whatever. And um, But they went there and found much more than they bargained for. One of the female police officers, when looking in his freezer, found the meat. Yeah. Um, Brandis's meat. Flesh. Now, meat, I'm just yeah. concerned, though, about how much he actually cut up of this man. Because after he ate 44 pounds, how much is left? Like, um, how much could possibly have been left in that freezer? What I had found was that after he... Because he did, uh, at some point, bury Brandis's head and limbs. Mm-hmm. And he crushed the bones. most of his limbs, right. And he wasn't like a, a fat person no and actually though this is again where it was you know just this just this weird kind of tangents that he goes on that he talked about you know he was a fit and athletic guy mm-hmm. and an attractive guy but armin was surprised by how much fat there was right just you know just again one of these weird things but um so after he buried the head and the limbs in his garden um, and he did hold a ceremony when he did that. I imagine he was the only person in attendance. There Maybe were, the dog. Yeah. There were 30 kilograms of flesh still in the freezer. Oh, my God. So well, another so 20 this, pounds, right? That's 10 kilograms is about 20 pounds. So this female police officer found this meat, and she asked Armin what it was. And he said that it was... Some form of whatever meat you buy from the store. And she, her response to him was, mm, I'm a housewife. This is not meat. Right, because the I male cook. officers had already looked in the freezer and they didn't see anything right. weird about it. But she, cooking right. for her family, realized right away, this is some exotic stuff you have going on. And she couldn't obviously prove that on the spot. So what he was originally taken into custody for was the charge was depiction of graphic violence on the internet they found a lot of yeah violent pornography so which would be the images from the cannibal cafe i'm sure right but i'm curious as to why they like could arrest him for that i'm not sure i mean we're talking again we're talking about the german legal system though there's it's very different than here but um yeah so they they arrested him and brought him in and armin was actually pretty quick to confess but i do think that this kind of part is a little a little funny 
the attorney in an interview was basically saying how his first conversation went with Armin. Now, I believe that he knew Armin before, uh, or maybe had like had been his counsel before for other things or whatever. I think they knew each other previous to this. That's how, that's the impression I got yeah. as well. He calls his attorney and says, I need you to help me. And he said, he goes, you know, what if I did something bad? And he's like, what did you do? Did you put someone in your freezer? And Armin's like, yep. Now see, and I, I put I, someone I, in yeah. my freezer. And he's thinking like, he says in the interview, well, I didn't think that he was like a Nazi because, I mean, remember we're talking Germany and people are still being tried right, for hate right. or war crimes and things like that. And he's like, well, he wasn't a Nazi. And he says, you know, what did you do? And he says, well, I, I killed someone. Well, and see, and this is just another, like, a difference in the narratives that we're able to find because I found that that conversation actually happened with his sister-in-law, so one of the brother's wives, and he called trying to reach his brother and the sister-in-law answered and said that he was in trouble and needed to talk to his brother. Maybe that's and how she they knew made each other. the joke. She made the joke, um, what do you have a body in your basement? And he mm-hmm. said, no, but in my freezer. You know, so, I mean... Yeah, the, well, this interview that I watched was actually from the... This was the attorney speaking. So, I don't know. That's either... Neither here nor there, but clearly right. he found it a little comical. Well, and, but, and what I have, too, is, that, you know, so he was brought in and he was questioned for things. And then he's, you know, initially released. They didn't charge him with anything right away because they have to do forensic yeah. testing, things like that. It was actually the lawyer later who called police when Armin was in his office. And Armin was arrested at his attorney's mm-hmm. office when he... You know, actually went and stayed and then right, moved yeah. toward trial. He never really, like, contested it. I mean, he said that he did it. Also, at the same time, Brandis was reported missing by his fiance, whose name is Renee Yaznik. He reported him two days later. But there is really nothing I could find about the missing case person. Missing case person. Missing per- Oh, my God. Missing, missing person's, person's case. case. But just that he was reported missing two days later. And, I mean, clearly he left no trace. He said he was going somewhere. He didn't spend any money. I mean, so... Well, he was spending money, but he made sure everything was in cash. Right. So, no no trace. So, for the year... This year, Brandis had just been missing. At this point, there was no, like... They they weren't going to Armin to find Brandis. This was reported by someone else completely. It wasn't until they arrested him that they realized... And went through his things that they realized the identity of his victim. Right. And could connect the dots with the missing person case. There's really not too much on the investigation because there really wasn't much to investigate. He everything contest, is on camera. Right. No. He didn't contest. They had everything basically right away because they have the recordings. Right. They have the flesh that was stored in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really no need. Mm-hmm. You don't have to dig deep when, when everything's that readily available. Right. So Armin was arrested uh, on December 11th of 2002 and he stood trial for manslaughter on December 3rd of 2003. He was convicted of manslaughter on January 30th of the following year. All right. Now, manslaughter, though, is our term here. Right. Because yeah, over we'll, there, we'll, it's... We'll get to that. Let's just say that these are what he... He was convicted of manslaughter. Kind of the equivalent and, of right, manslaughter. Right. Our, right. Our, our equivalent, yes. He was convicted of manslaughter on January 30th of 2004 and sentenced to eight and a half years in prison, which, of course, was a huge... People in Germany were just up in arms about this. That obviously that wasn't a strict enough sentence. So the prosecution actually in April of 2005 received the word that they were going to do a retrial, which again is not something that we do in the United States. Right. You 
Yes. The state's not requesting that because they're not happy with the sentence. If right. we're going to have a retrial here in the United States, it's because the defense is, is making all of these motions or they find something yeah. flawed in the original process. Yeah. I don't even believe here that our prosecution can retry. You can have an, a, like a sentencing hearing or you can, or they can declare it a mistrial, maybe. Well, I, um, yeah, I don't think that they really can. Now, if there's a mistrial, they can then elect to try it again. Right. But after they've gotten their conviction... Mm-hmm. They can't do a whole new retrial. Like yeah, you said, they can do resentencing because here? we also have, you know, just recently, and we talked about this with Scott Peterson, that his mm-hmm. death sentence was overturned, overturned, vacated, yes. so and the now they're going to be going... Can, they can seek a new sentencing here, right. which they won't for that case, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but what's, what's weird here is so that way, if you were convicted of manslaughter, the prosecution cannot go and retry you for a bigger, like... It would be considered a different right. crime. They, they can't, can't say listen manslaughter to, and then we're going to try you for first degree murder. Right. They, they can't, can't listen to public outcry that they don't feel like you were sentenced harshly enough. Right. And try to go back. Yeah. Basically, it's the second bite at the apple is the term, you know, that's used a lot in our legal system that the prosecution can't get that. Yeah. So he was convicted of what we would consider manslaughter, sentenced to eight and a half years. In 2005, the prosecution uh, put in, they put in an appeal to retry him. The retrial started in January of 2006, and he was found guilty of murder. There isn't a degree or anything like that. As we get into the more like kind of legalities of this, you'll understand, but... He was convicted of murder in on May 10th of 2006. He was sentenced to life in prison. And he was also, um, in that second trial, convicted on account of disturbing the peace of the dead. Great. And that was for him uh, consuming the flesh right. after. Yeah, so that's it. That's the crime. That's the aftermath. That's the... Well, actually, no, there is one tiny piece of aftermath that we can just throw in here because this happened this year. Like, this summer, he's actually been allowed out, like, on day trips. Oh, yeah, I have that for us. with to, the police. Yeah, yeah he has to have, have escorts. He's actually dating someone on the oh, outside, like, has a girlfriend oh, really? on the outside as well. So, at this point, I need to take a little break and regroup and decompress. So, I'm going to hit pause here, and, and we'll be back shortly. Okay, well, we're back from our break. Uh, that was about 20 minutes for us. In that time, minutes later. <laughs> in that time, I tried to clear my head of everything we just talked about, and Heather ate an ice cream sandwich. So I was hungry. Uh, <laughs> I, well, okay. <laughs> she worked up quite an appetite. <laughs> Listen, the real reason we needed to pause was because I was out of Diet Pepsi, and my corner store closed <laughs> at 10 o'clock. And if you ever met me without Diet Pepsi, I am not fun to be around. She's not that fun with the Diet Pepsi, so you can only imagine what it's like (laughs) without it. I won't deny that. Um, So we're going to... Basically, I think we mentioned it earlier, but our debate on this one really isn't about whether or not a crime was committed, whether or not Armin Maivez committed that crime... It's just what crime was it? We're going to talk about the conviction, the charges, and whether the or not we agree. So, I mean, let's just 
we have not discussed this prior. I honestly... No, I we've think, been very careful yes. not to discuss this prior. So I have been kind of like listening to you. I feel like I know where you... And I feel the same way, but we haven't so, actually said it. So do we want to... Let's just, let's just wanna hear... Rip the band-aid now, or do we want to talk about... Let's let's rip it now and see just what our general thoughts are, and then see maybe we can convince the other, or maybe we agree. I have no idea, but I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Do you agree or disagree with the final conviction of murder for Armin Milo? I disagree with the final conviction. Really? I agree with the original conviction well, for their <laughs> equivalent of manslaughter. Show's over, folks. We agree. The verdict has been reached. I um, now, also... But that's on the technicalities. That's when we really like dive into well, their legal system, the laws that they were using, the statutes and stuff. On a, I guess on a more moral or personal level. Right. I, I don't really know that, that that's even accurate. I do think legally that first conviction And we're going legally by German law, which right. is very different. Which we're ours. both experts in. <laughs> yes. I I have studied it extensively. Of course. <laughs> that theater degree that I got at UCF involved a lot of German law study. Well, so let's revisit that then. So his first conviction is what we would consider manslaughter here in the States. And then his second conviction is what we would consider. It would fall into either first or second degree murder. Right, because they don't really have the degrees. Right. Um, so basically, the first conviction is Totschlag. And I'm probably pronouncing that entirely incorrectly, but Totschlag, which translates to intentional killing. Um, and that carries a sentence of 5 to 15 years. So his sentence on that first case, mm-hmm. the eight and a half years, kind of, you know, kind of right there in that middle zone for that. A little bit, you know, closer to the lower end, but there in the middle. And there can be a life sentence in a Totschlag conviction, right. but only in particularly severe Cases yeah. and so that would kind of be the equivalent to our manslaughter. You know, the the sentencing here I think is a little bit wider of a range. I think manslaughter goes up to twenty or twenty five here, depending on the degree of manslaughter, because we also have that broken down. I think that depends. It doesn't. Looking here in their sections, I maybe there are, there are other sources, but this doesn't seem to be like as thorough as our right. system is. But but basically they have what's called mord, which is It translates murder. to murder. Right. <laughs> yeah, and those conditions and that that's the highest. Mord is the highest. And you basically you are killing a person out of lust to obtain sexual gratification out of greed or it says Perfidiously or cruelly or by means of constituting a public danger or to facilitate or cover up another offense. So okay, like yeah, you robbed so a bank and then you killed someone because they saw it kind of thing. And then that then it moves down to Totschlag, which is basically whoever commits a murder, but they're not... It says whoever kills a person without being a murderer under the previous conditions that I just read. Right. So let's... Um, we can... Let's, I'll talk a little bit. There's really not much more to talk about as far as the Totschlag. No. Um, that intentional killing, you know, the kind of equivalent with manslaughter. That's essentially it. If you can mm-hmm. prove that you intentionally killed another human being, they have those sentencing guidelines. Right. So we both agree that's really where this should fall. So I think then... 
Well, they more have of a, our... a different one as well. So there are two more even underneath that. What it's called the less serious case of murder, which is our equivalent of a rage killing, or what do they call it? Uh, uh, when you yeah, like a you went into a fit of rage. We have that. Like Texas has it, especially. Like I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're leaning more towards like a crime of passion, which when we're passion. talking about like second degree murder. Yeah. So that's here. That's basically what their less serious case of murder is. Is like a crime of passion. But then underneath that, there is a different one called killing upon request. Which oh, says, yes. yeah. yeah, whoever is induced to kill at the expense and earnest request of the person killed incurs a penalty of imprisonment for a term of between six months and five years. Yeah, so they yeah they call it killing. I found it um, named killing on demand, killing upon request, kind yes. of the same thing. Yes. Yeah, so I do think that that probably would be even more appropriate, but I couldn't find a lot of information about what legally constitutes touchlog what legal you know the the intentional killing what legally right. constitutes the killing on demand i found a lot though on mord on the murder and i would like to i'd like to kind of dissect that cuz i have some specifics here mm-hmm. and i think we can kind of dismantle it to prove that this really was an overreach when they went back for this second retrial, right. which was based on the uh, the court of public yeah. opinion essentially so so before you break it down the prosecution's main point that they were trying to make for Mord is that it was sexually motivated, that he did it for his own gratification. Right. Yeah, and I'm and I definitely have some notes on that. Right. So that. Yeah. yeah. So now moving into what you're saying, but just know that that's the main basis of why the prosecution decided to retry it for Mord. Right. Because there's a few things um, that you need to prove for Mord. These cases, if you're charged with this to be convicted of this, it's supposed to be especially severe. The punishment now is life in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and Germany does not have any form of capital punishment anymore. It does not anymore, right. It, it used to be for Mord that it was the death penalty mm-hmm. before 1949. So that once was for we West hit Germany, 1950s, yeah. it became less and less common because in 1949, West Germany completely abolished it. Right. And in 1987, East Germany completely right. abolished the and death penalty. And then, of penalty. course, in 1989, you have them... Right. Merging together. Right. So. so, but it had been completely abolished by both sides by the time the wall comes down. And, but after 1949, when it was abolished in West Germany, it kind of fell out of practice anyway. It wasn't right. really very common. They moved to this life in prison. And so the statute that they have, their, you know, their law uh, for murder says, whoever kills a human being out of murderous intent to satisfy sexual desires, out of greed or otherwise base motives, insidiously or cruelly, or with means dangerous to the public, or in order to commit or cover up another crime. And so that's basically the English translation of their statute, their law that they use. So it takes three things here. Reprehensible motive, reprehensible means, and reprehensible purpose. So the reprehensible motive and the purpose are about the criminal, the person committing this act, right. right? Their motive needs to needs to be proven to be reprehensible, and then their their purpose. The reprehensible means is actually the crime, how the crime is carried out. So we can kind of dig a little bit deeper into some of this stuff. So the base motives, in order to prove base motives, the purpose of the crime is to see another human being dying, or to satisfy sexual desires. And um, so this was in cases of rape or in cases of necrophilia. 
Right. So it didn't, you know, there needed to be a sexual motivation. It didn't necessarily need to be, when you say sex crime, people think of rape, sexual assault, those those types of things. Necrophilia, though, also is, a, you know, a sexual a motivation. Of, yeah, right. Yeah. You need this person to be dead in order to get Your to that. Yeah. Yeah, like um, Ted Bundy. And then the killing out of greed again. So to, I guess, to kind of dismantle that one, his purpose here was not to see another human being die. No. Right? He, he That wasn't the gratification. Like, I, I believe him in his interviews. I don't know why. I believe most of it. I do think, like I said, it seems unbelievable. And some of it still even is hard to really wrap your head around this being yeah. the truth. Well, the but prosecution we have... even agreed that he, he asked for it. Right, because and, they have the, the conversations. They have these yeah. postings and communications. And they have four hours of... A videotape video. to back up what Armin is saying. Right. And I tend to believe Armin when he says that he really wrestled with whether or not he should actually end this person's life. Right. He and that, thought it was going to end with taking off his genitals and that's how it was going to end. Didn't expect for it to last as long as it did and then basically made the decision to put him out of his misery. Right. Yeah, depending depending on the, you know, because we had two different narratives there, whether he already thought he was dead when he beheaded and began the slaughter or if he slit his... If he yeah. slit his throat, the last throat interview I saw, I feel like Armin knew he was dead. He and I'm basically not, said it. I'm yeah. not. Uh, I'm not going to defend mine mm-hmm. any, you know, with any more weight than yours because we both came across this stuff, like yeah. we say in our disclaimer every episode, by just googling this stuff. Yeah. You know, so we're going to find different accounts happen all the time. We've talked about it already, so we don't really know for sure that. But either one of those really is still not a murderous intent. If he put him out of his misery. This was, you're talking about out of compassion. So this wasn't to see another human being die. It was to end someone's suffering. And if he believed he already had died from the consensual act of mutilation, then that's also not a murderous intent. So as far as the purpose of the crime being to see another human being dying, it's not there. They can't can't prove that. His intent was to eat someone. I mean, obviously, you really can't eat someone without killing them. But I don't think he was like, I want to kill someone because I want to kill someone. But that's not necessarily true either because there are, there are, you know, there are amputations and things that obviously they didn't have medical training, but there are ways to do that, you know, and Brandis specifically had to stop Armin from calling an ambulance. Right. Because Armin, I mean, he could have been saved even after that mutilation, that bleeding could have been stopped. Mm -hmm. And he could have survived. To satisfy sexual desires, we've talked about that already, too. This wasn't... The sex was, like, this weird, tangential thing for both of them. They were just both... I feel like it just... They just happened to both be bisexual. Right. Yeah, the the fact that any type of sexual act took place Mm -hmm. really is just kind of incidental. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with the motives for... I mean, there's no telling, and I really do hate to be gross. I mean, I wouldn't have put it past someone with those kind of deviant thoughts and behaviors that he probably did get some enjoyment or sexual fulfillment after the fact, especially because he did admit to watching the tapes over again. But I mean, so did Brandis. Right. But I I I do feel though that still the sex acts themselves or that kind of sexual pleasure played second fiddle to their ultimate goal. It's tangential. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, so again, so now we're, you know, we're saying they have to prove these base motives and these are kind of the three options for base motives. And so that's already two out of the three. And then the last one is a killing out of greed. Uh, He gained nothing. Oh no. From this. Well, I mean, he had free meat for a while. 
Well, that's, I mean, yeah, so that saves money, right? He wasn't having to hop down to the market quite as often for those few months. But, you know, their definition of killing out of greed is that you're to grow your own fortune. You I mean, know, he not something killing somebody of, for their life insurance policy. Right. It wasn't anything like that. He had nothing to gain by doing it. In fact, nobody knew that it was happening. Nobody, I mean, he didn't know who, he didn't know who this person was until he was dying. Right. He didn't even know his his real yeah. name. Until, right, exactly. There so, was nothing he had to gain. So base the base motive, the reprehensible motive, is one of the three things that they need for this, and we've already completely eliminated it. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So then to go to the base methods, which is those reprehensible means, the meth you know, the actual methodology of the crime. So there are three options there as well. There are three base methods, essentially. So the first one is a treacherous killing. And this is um, that the killer must be aware of the fact that the victim is unaware of an attack and is defenseless. Oh, well, that's, yeah. So there has to be, they must not suspect it and they must be defenseless. Yeah. We don't even have to discuss that. Not an or. Completely. Right. It wouldn't fit either of those criteria. So that one's out. What's the next one? And this would specifically exclude mercy killings, you know, to, with your narrative, with your, with the version of events that you've heard, Mm -hmm. the mercy killing right there was specifically listed as an example of not being a treacherous killing. Right. So there's nothing here, right? He was obviously aware of what was happening. They planned it ahead of time. They talked about it. The second is a cruel killing. So this is especially severe physical or mental pain to the victim, which I think an argument could be made for, okay? That mm-hmm. there, you know, obviously there was some pretty intense pain here, even though supposedly Brandis didn't think it was intense enough. However, the definition of a cruel killing finishes. So especially severe physical or mental pain to the victim out of a merciless attitude or in cold blood. No, and that is completely disproven by the by the hesitance tape. in the video. Right. You see constant hesitation. Right. So But not only that, you also see the victim almost pleading for it. Asking for it to happen. Right. Yes. So we have you know, so not merciless, obviously not in cold blood. Then there's the third possible base method. Killing with means dangerous to the public. Okay, so this means it has to endanger life or limb of an unspecified number of other people. And the example that they give here is recklessly setting a fire, right? Where, you right. know, if you're going to burn a building down because you want to kill the person in apartment 2B, right. well, you're endangering everybody Basically else in that building. Basically incurring casualties or the possibility of there being... Right, because you don't necessarily actually need to incur casualties. Right. If you set fire to that building mm-hmm. and then they're able to put that fire out before it kills anyone else, right. it's still... You still put those people in danger. But there's none of that here, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously this is the only person involved... And then... This was an isolated incident done the, in a private right. home. And then the other argument that you could even make, they, there's no proof, and he explicitly denies ever letting anyone else eat this. Like, eat that right. flesh. Because you could maybe kind of try to make an argument that that could endanger someone because... Although it, that's it doesn't, not, though. There's... Well, no, but there's no, there's no regulation yeah, there, on, yeah, that, exactly. on that type of meat. You know what I mean? If we're really going to look at it like that, mm-hmm. we regulate. And now, again, and we're mean, talking about Germany. What is... You could feed somebody bad beef. Right. Too. So that, I feel like, is... Right. So, but point. he didn't even do that with anyone else. So no. that's not there. And then you have the base aims, which is that reprehensible purpose. And base aims can only be proven if a person is intentionally killed in the course of another crime. 
So it has to lead to the commission of another crime or the cover-up of another crime. Right. So you could make the argument, we don't know their specific statutes. They may have a specific law against cannibalism. They do not. Okay, so... At least not at the time. Not that I could find. And in all of the, like, articles that I was reading from, like, the BBC and things like that with all of these reporters that actually sat in the courtroom, because, like I said, there's not a lot of transcripts from it, so you right. just have to go based on what they were saying. And all of these people are saying, currently, at the time of the trial, there was no law against cannibalism. So, yeah, so there's no... There's no commission of another crime. Right. Right? There, this didn't lead to any other crime being committed. And he didn't commit any crime to cover up another crime. No. Because the crime that was committed, allegedly, (laughs) uh, was the murder, was the killing. Right. And that's the only crime that can be, you know, Mm -hmm. alleged to have taken place because there was no specific statute about cannibalism. Right. And with the videotape proving that this... This man, Brandis, wanted Armin to castrate him. Mm-hmm. Well, which, you, which moves us along into the... So there's section 216, moving on from Mord and Torchdog or whatever Torch... I'm gonna it was uh, Torchdog. There's yeah. an L in there, so... Moving yeah. to what I feel, or we both probably feel, is the correct conviction would be this killing upon demand or killing upon request, which says whoever is induced to kill at the express and earnest request of the person killed. I have these details here that I believe would constitute as an earnest request. Well, and they have the videotape where he's pleading for these things to happen. At the very start, his message to Armin, his his very first message from the Cannibal Cafe responding to his request is titled, Dinner. And he says, and this is a direct quotation, I offer to let myself be eaten alive. No slaughter, but eaten. Therefore, whoever really wants to do it needs a genuine victim. So he's calling himself a genuine victim. He's offering himself to be eaten alive. And that was the start of it. Additionally, Rene Yasnik, his live-in boyfriend, said that he purchased new items for the apartment and then willed it to him. So he found a will in the apartment after he had gone missing, and the will was dated January of 2001, which is only two months prior to his death. Obviously, he had been... Playing. Now, I don't know when the first messages started, but this is clearly... You're, you're, you're seeing that he planned this. He was waiting for this. He wrote these letters. He did the will. He purchased a one-way ticket. Right, and you know, and again, and he did all of these things to cover those tracks so that people wouldn't even be looking for him right. for quite a few days. And again, the crime was committed on March 9th, so it's the beginning of March. The will's dated in January, January. so we were talking about a matter of just a few weeks, right? Because right. two months almost even seems... Uh, I, I oh, no, they, it was. It was two months and six days after. The will was dated January 3rd. Okay, and then January the crime 3rd. happened March 9th, yeah. So, but this seems like a, a long time coming. And not only that, but you also have this Jimmy, the sex worker I mentioned at the beginning, that right. definitely test- and testified in court that he begged him to mutilate him. Begged him. Right, right. So they're establishing this pattern of of yeah. asking for and this what earnest request right earnest was the request. was the verbiage yes uh now the argument to be made against that 
was that obviously the psychiatrists are saying that Armin wasn't remorseful for the cannibalism, but he was remorseful for the killing. And I kind of believe that. I, but they're also saying that he's kind of distant and dissociative. But they also testified there was nothing wrong with him mentally. But then, I mean, but who's to say there was anything wrong with Brandis? Well, and mentally? then we're, then we... I mean, he's gone. We can't tell. Then we get into a whole other thing. So, because I do have a couple of notes about that with, you know, some things that Armin has said that kind of lean toward some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So I do think that we both agree with this uh, killing on demand Yeah, I... would be probably the most accurate, mm-hmm. um, which I guess here in the U.S., you know, the closest thing we have is an assisted suicide. So yeah, they have that as a separate thing here, the facilitating suicide. Is, is separate in Germany, but that's probably the closest thing that that, that we, we have. have here. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think that we can that we can both agree there. I mean, I would, you know, I would even be more comfortable with it being the intentional killing mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, the first conviction, the Totschlag, <laughs> than than I am with with the murder conviction, with the way that mm-hmm. they define these things. Oh, so. and and not only that, there's more because. Armin and Brandis discussed what to do with Brandis's body after the fact. So this is clearly discussed that Brandis knew he wasn't going to make it out of that encounter. Right. It wasn't just, oh, eat my body parts and then let me walk away. He knew he wasn't walking away. He joked about Armin should be using his skull as an ashtray. Mm-hmm. I mean, he clearly knew that this was not something he was coming back So they from. had a completely normal sense of humor, is basically yeah, what we're saying. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, not to say that at all. So, yes, yeah, so we both clearly disagree with this second conviction we even wholeheartedly disagree with them being able to retry it because they weren't happy with the sentencing the first time Mm -hmm. um to be able to have a whole new trial Mm -hmm. resentencing here you know but we're basing our view on the american legal system so you know things are obviously different but so we disagree with that i would have been more comfortable with the first conviction and he would have already served that time and and been released right not that I'm necessarily saying I'm 100% comfortable That's with him being difficult. out and released either. Because I remember when I first listened to this case probably like six years ago. And I asked, I, I immediately went to my boyfriend and said, oh my god, listen to this crazy case. Why the hell did they convict him? And, and he said, he goes, well, do you really think that a person who is willing to do that to another human being should be walking around? And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, no, but also, no, you shouldn't be convicting of a murder. I mean, it's very like, no, of course you don't want somebody like that walking around in society that could potentially harm you. But then again, but he we have also laws only, for a reason. But he also only harmed someone who... Was willing to who do Who volunteered it. And for it, who arranged for it. that was the main thing, was that they had to consent or it would not fulfill his fantasy. Right. And so, it is. It's a. It's a difficult line to walk but i mean i really try to base it on these you know these legal definitions exactly. these, these statutes and everything so i mean as far as their laws are defined i think that there is an argument to be made for the intentional killing mm-hmm. but obviously there's you know a strong argument to be made for killing on demand as well but we dismantled mm-hmm. any argument for him to be convinced convicted of mord I mean, I feel like if he were tried in the United States, he would have been convicted of first-degree murder. I really feel like our justice system would not have let that go. 
I don't know that he, they would have been able to make a case for first-degree murder because That's of right. that videotape evidence that would have been presented But they in just court. don't care here. They just... it's. It was premeditated. You knew that this person was going to die at your hand, and that's that. But we do have... We do have assisted suicide, but it has to be done like... It has to be like a euthanasia type thing. Right. Where it has to be done like humanely. And this certainly by no means would be considered humane by any person. Right. No, no. Absolutely. Well, any person that is thinking But I do think... I don't know. I I would find it hard to see how first degree murder... Right. Could be could be argued successfully mm-hmm. here. But at the end of the day, you and I are not here in the United States. We are in Germany. And going specifically by their laws. And... This does not fit the definition of Mord. No. So, um, but I did really quickly want to touch, because you brought up, you know, the mental health issues. So, Armin has been speaking with a therapist or counselor, some type of, mm. some type of mental health professional, while he's been in prison and he has talked about kind of the the stigma mm. around fetishes in general but obviously you know specifically for him this this type of fetish where he you know he has said he would never do something like this again which i think is easy for someone to say who's serving a mm. life sentence for Well he also did write an apology letter to Renee Yasnick Brandis's right. boyfriend So there is um apologizing Right there, so there is some uh, there is some remorse there, according and to him. He, I mean. But he even you know again in the video you see hesitation. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's far off to believe that he is remorseful. That mm-hmm. he you know this wasn't exactly what he thought he was signing up for either. That and his desires were not fulfilled, like he thought they right. would be. It's just he realized that you know. It's kind of like when you grow up and realize that you're not going to be a Disney princess. That's not how things work. Prince Charming is... Yeah, I never never fantasized about being a Disney princess. Well, you're not Prince Charming either, so... I am incredibly (laughs) charming. But it's kind of one of those things where you dream about something like your whole life, like the fairy tale or your desires, and then it finally happens and you're like, well... Like starting a true crime podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, so he... um, but he, so he's had, you know, he's said this, but because of the taboo, he never felt comfortable talking mm-hmm. to anyone outside of the fetish community. Mm-hmm. You know, these people with similar interests, which obviously feeds into each other. Mm-hmm. And he felt That's like if there, right. And he felt like if there had been a conversation, if he had talked to a mental health professional before then, or if he and Brandis had brought someone else in to, you know, to have a conversation that this could have been avoided. Right. So he without saying that there's mental illness involved it seems like he understands that there is there's a mental illness here that he mm-hmm. you know that he wished or that perhaps he, could have he had may treated. have taken advantage of someone else who also had a mental illness but again i'm sure that he seemed outwardly like a normal person other than the fetish. But when you share that fetish with someone, it seems normal to you. Right. And we said that right at the top. And he's obviously a well-educated man. And then his boyfriend and his fiance that he dated had no inclination that he had these dark desires. I mean, and that's Brandis we're talking about. Yes. Brandis, his, his boyfriend went on to quote saying that inflicting pain was never an issue in our relationship. I didn't like it. He said it was never brought up and that, they they never talked about anything like that. He was just as surprised as everyone else. Right. So Brandis was similar to Myla's in that way, where they kept it hidden. He seemed outwardly normal. Right. They understood the stigma. 
they kept it to themselves because they knew that it wouldn't be accepted generally. Mm -hmm. And then when they found this community of other people, Mm -hmm. and specifically each other, it just fed into it. They fed into each other. um, Mm -hmm. And then we end up here. I mean, I could certainly see my final thoughts are that I do feel that he should have been convicted of more of a manslaughter type charge, that killing on demand. And because this was just such a new, like this is one of the, this is the first case of its kind, really, especially in Germany. And I could see him getting out and having some kind of parole, you know, because he he did commit a crime, but that's just... Legally, how I see it. Legally, I mean, I, I have other reservations morally, but legally, right. that's how I felt. It and yeah, so and but yeah, I, I would feel the same way. And I do feel, and again, you know, don't know the ins and outs of the German legal system, but we have defense by reason of insanity when you have some mm-hmm. type of mental illness or mental health concerns. And I feel like there was a pretty strong argument to be made for that. And if that's something. In Germany, if they have that built into their system of justice, I think that perhaps, you know, being in some type of psychiatric custody would have been the most appropriate. Because I really do think that this is something that could be treated where you wouldn't have to worry about him being then released if this could be properly handled and he got the treatment he needs. But part of me thinks when you have that kind of desire that you've kept so close to the belt for so long it's been ingrained in you since you were prepubescent there's right that's hard to come back from but yeah. i mean and it, but that's one. again you know obviously morally personally I, I have some different feelings and some reservations but with the legal system i think that legally that yes. was probably the most appropriate route because this I do feel like this was someone who could have been rehabilitated had it been handled and addressed properly. Right. And, you know, mental illness itself had such a stigma back at that point. I mean, it still has a stigma now, unfortunately, just not not quite to the same degree. Right, right. Um, But then, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, right around the turn of the millennium, they just... It wasn't something that was discussed, so it wasn't addressed properly. So our final vote on the conviction of murder or Mord. Mord is not not guilty. guilty. Yep. And it would be a a different outcome if we were talking about some different charges, but But, what was before before the court uh, at that second trial with the sentence that he's serving now was was Mord, was murder, and uh, we would acquit. We would. That's, oof. (laughs) (laughs) But we would, legally, yeah. So that wraps up episode three. Three. Uh, We're so sorry that that was a pretty gruesome case to go through. Um, We have some fun stuff coming. Well, not, I mean, I don't don't want want to use the term fun. (laughs) But um, we have some things planned for Halloween. So actually, I think the episode should be up at the same time. Right. It should be up as soon as you're done listening to this. Should be able to click over to a Halloween episode. At this point in time, after you maybe go to the bathroom, wash your face after listening to this with some cold water. (laughs) Don't eat anything is my recommendation. So remember, uh, rate, review, subscribe, Do tell all your the friends. <laughs> tell your friends all about 
allegedly Mm -hmm. and find us on instagram and twitter at allegedly underscore pod and if you have feedback reactions to any of these episodes if you have suggestions Mm -hmm. for cases that we can discuss in the future most um, importantly let us know uh we're in the very new first stages of our podcast and we're really trying to toy with formatting and what we'd like to talk about how we like to talk about at length uh content which of these three episodes or when you listen to the fourth which one is your favorite why did you like it so give us feedback we're welcome to it we want to make sure that this is something that you guys enjoy we enjoy doing it and we want to make sure that people who are listening to it enjoy it as much as we do Right, exactly. Yeah, we we like doing it, but we need an audience to keep yep. doing it. Um, so email us that allegedly podcast at gmail and give us all of that feedback, all of your suggestions. We look forward to hearing from you. And uh, we're also hoping in our Halloween episode, uh, episode number four, that we'll finally be able to get to, to letting you guys other. get to know us <laughs> a little bit more. So thanks for listening. Maybe they don't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they're already sick of it. Maybe. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye guys. Bye.